This is Taiwan Plus on ICRT, your connection to stories that matter. Brought to you by the news team at TaiwanPlus.com. Welcome to Taiwan Plus News. I'm Betty Chen. A two-year-old child has died from COVID-19 in New Taipei, the youngest patient and only child to have died from the disease in Taiwan since the pandemic began. The boy received emergency treatment for almost a week, but his condition worsened rapidly with symptoms not seen in other child patients. Doctors say he was also suffering from inflammation of the brain brought on by the disease, and the patient's parents believe their son was not taken to hospital early enough. New type officials say they did their best within established treatment guidelines. Taiwan on Tuesday recorded 1,626 new domestic COVID-19 infections, yet another one-day record. Despite a growing number of confirmed cases, the government is moving ahead with plans to relax regulations. Eric Gao has the details. Taiwan has seen over a thousand new domestic infections daily for several days now, but most cases have been mild or are asymptomatic. The government has eased quarantine rules for such cases. Normally, COVID-19 patients need to spend 10 days in quarantine. Now, those with light or no symptoms who are staying at quarantine hotels or centralized facilities can leave after four days if they test negative twice. They can leave after five to nine days with just one negative test. Those who complete the full 10 days can leave without any tests at all. These rules do not apply to people with serious cases or for imported patients. With the rising number of positive cases in the country, demand for home testing kits has skyrocketed. The government is stepping in to ensure supply and is working on a plan to ration kits, letting people buy up to five for three U.S. dollars each. This could go into effect in early May. The government is also planning to gradually ease travel restrictions, allowing people to enter the country with no quarantine. This could begin in July at the earliest, depending on Taiwan's COVID-19 situation in the next few months. Patrick Chen and Eric Gao for Taiwan Plus. More than 12,000 workers of the Taiwan Railways Administration will strike on May 1st, protesting the government's plan to reorganize the administration from a government agency to a state-run corporation. The planned protest has already shut down most train services. Ding Wang explains. Taiwan's trains move up to 230 million passengers per year but they're expected to come to a halt on May 1st. More than 12,000 railway workers plan to go on strike to protest a government reorganization plan. Back in March, members of the Railway Labor Union first voiced their concerns about the plan to restructure Taiwan's Railway Administration, or TRA, from a government agency to a state-run corporation. The Transportation Ministry hopes the corporatization will help overhaul the system and bring new perspectives to make the train safer. The plan comes after a railroad accident last April that killed 49 people and injured another 200. While the railway workers agree systemic changes must be made, the labor union believes they should have been included in consultations and fear their new plan would affect their benefits. The Transportation Ministry has promised that salaries and benefits won't be reduced. The minister, Wang Guocai, has called for meetings with workers to iron out the differences. 
but without an agreement, most train services will shut down on Labor Day. All sides are hoping for a quick solution to ensure the safety of the trains and continue servicing their passengers. James Rayner and Bing Wong for Taiwan Plus. A major battle for Ukraine's eastern Donbas region is underway, according to the country's president. Russian forces have struck targets across the east, with fighting expected to intensify in the coming days. James Chater reports. This steelworks in the Ukrainian port city of Mariupol used to be among the largest in Europe, providing jobs to thousands. Now, it's yet another symbol of devastation in Ukraine's eastern Donbas region. From Ukraine's president, confirmation that the Donbas is now the center of a major new phase in the conflict. Russian shelling hit over 300 targets on the first night of Moscow's fresh assault. When Russian President Vladimir Putin invaded Ukraine in February, he justified his assault by saying he was liberating the Donbass. Parts of the region have been held by Russian-backed separatists since 2014. But after nearly two months of war, the humanitarian situation is dire. As Ukrainian forces work to combat Russia's new offensive, the U.S. announced that it would be providing 18 howitzers and 40,000 rounds of artillery to Ukrainian forces, as well as providing training on how to use them. So it'll be a small number of Ukrainians that will be trained on the howitzers and then they will be reintroduced back into their country to train their colleagues. The military reinforcements come as Ukraine's president took the first step towards Ukrainian membership of the European Union. On Monday, he handed over the first questionnaire required for EU accession to the bloc's ambassador in Ukraine. But with fighting in the country's east expected to intensify, there's little solace from any diplomatic breakthroughs. Chris Maher and James Chaser for Taiwan Plus. The United States and South Korea have agreed to maintain the strongest possible deterrence over escalating threats on the Korean peninsula. The U.S. envoy for North Korea, Song Kim, is in Seoul as part of a five-day visit that coincides with the start of an annual U.S.-South Korean military drill. Over the weekend, North Korea said it tested a new type of tactical guided weapon aimed at boosting the country's nuclear capabilities. And last week, it launched what it says was an intercontinental ballistic missile capable of hitting the United States. Kim said the U.S. has not closed the door on diplomacy with North North Korea. And I once again call on Pyongyang to pursue a diplomatic path with us. We remain prepared to meet with, with, meet with anywhere without any conditions. Also want to make clear that we have no hostile intent towards the DPRK. U.S.-based activist Francis Hoi is the first Hong Kong activist to be granted asylum in the United States. That's according to her advocacy group, We the Hong Kongers. Hoi's application was approved in September last year, but she only announced the news this month. Our reporter, Reinhold Kilpatrick, spoke to Hoi and asked her what it felt like when asylum application was approved. It's really heavy and upsetting um, when I think about, you know, um, the, the, 
this approval of the asylum actually means that um, I wouldn't be able to go back to Hong Kong. And the reason why they approved my asylum stat- uh, asylum application was because they recognize and acknowledge um, the evidence of the past persecution I faced and the fear for future persecution by the Hong Kong government and Chinese government. And so, you know, having a Hong Kong person to be approved to have their asylum approved, meaning the situation back in Hong Kong is not good. Like the situation of um, persecution, people getting uh, persecuted and getting um, restricted um, and and um, oppressed politically for their um, their civic engagement, and the it means that the situation is worse, and that's why they are. Um, another state is approving an asylum application, right? There are many other Hong Kongers who are trying to escape the situation back home, whether it's through applying for political asylum like yourself or other channels. So what do you think are some ways that the United States and perhaps other countries can make that process uh, easier, more accessible or more fair? We're seeing um, some lifeboat policies um, um, from the beginning when it, it was um, introduced and it was enacted and then it's advanced um, in the UK. Um, and obviously it's, well, from our perspective, part of it has to do with the historical responsibility that the UK government has um, to Hong Kong. Um, but in contrast, like you, the US, um, they're not doing much um, with the safe boat, like like the lifeboat policy there um, for Hong Kongers, so I think there are bills related to that, and um, it seems like it has been in the Congress for over two years, and it's still not um, getting any response, or like it's not really going up um, at this point, and so. Um, we're hopeful that the U.S. government um, will be on board on providing um, better um, policy for Hong Kongers to come to the U.S. Um, and at the same time, I hope that like um, from publishing or announcing this um, news of my asylum approval, I also want to um, use my story and my experience, um, at least my, like the knowledge I have from throughout this experience to um, share it to some other Hong Kongers who are trying to seek asylum in the U.S. And hopefully it will help some other people who needed that information. A train on Taiwan's East Coast Line had to be evacuated after a one-meter-long boa constrictor was discovered in a luggage rack. Firefighters boarded the train at Ilan Station to remove the golden-colored snake, and no passengers were harmed. Taiwan Railway said snakes are not allowed on trains, and violators may be fined up to 250 U.S. dollars. So far, no one has stepped forward to claim the snake, which is not native to Taiwan. Thanks for watching Taiwan Plus News. I'm Betty Chen. For more stories from Taiwan and around the world, please download the Taiwan Plus app. Stay safe and see you next time. 
Thanks for listening to Taiwan Plus on ICRT. For more great stories from Taiwan and around the world, visit TaiwanPlus.com.